Hey friends, let's go back to the 90s with our new book, Mixtape Theology, 90s Christian Edition. It's part devotional, part retrospective, and all awesome. Rediscover the wonder of songs like The Great Adventure and Jesus Freak as you uncover their spiritual significance. But you know, we couldn't just give you a book without some 90s Christian cheese. We've included some original comics and hilarious retrospectives. Michael Tate of Newsboys and DC Talk calls mixtape theology the ultimate nostalgic throwback, and Michael W. Smith calls it a great read. Mixtape theology will have you falling in love with these songs and the gospel all over again. It's nostalgia served with a side of renewed faith, and it's available now at Amazon and Walmart.com. Now, back to the podcast. Welcome to Mixtape Theology. I am Dr. Ashley, your host for the Mixtape Theology podcast, and I'm so glad that you have joined us here at Mixtape Theology. Myself and my partner, Rachel Cash, love to talk about 90s contemporary Christian music. We love to listen to our favorite songs from way back when, look at the theology of those songs, see where we were in our faith then, how we've grown in our faith, talk about the the depths of the music, as well as have fun, get nostalgic, pick at ourselves a little bit. And um, that is absolutely what we're going to do for this podcast is have some fun. And we're, we're doing this in celebration of our upcoming book, Mixtape Theology, that um, by the time this broadcast, that book should be available through Amazon, through Barnes & Noble. You can order it online. We are super excited about the Mixtape Theology book that is compiled of 35 devotions of your favorite Christian music songs from the 90s, or is that subjective? Are they your favorites? And that's kind of what tonight may be about, because when Rachel and I went on this venture, we had to pick 35 songs, which is really, really hard. And there are songs that did not make the book that there are not devotions on. There are ones that we are sick that aren't in the book. And, you know, maybe that'll be what volume two will, will hold. Um, So, uh, but, but just to get excited about that and to get you all excited about our book, we thought what a better way than to have a podcast and do a couple of top 10 lists. And so we have a special guest for this podcast, our friend, Josh Baylog. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to share my list with everybody. So, uh, Josh, before we get started with our top 10 list, do you want to tell our audience who you are? Uh, I am a self-described and described by my wife, Christian music uh, nerd. And so I have, since my teenage years in the 90s, which we'll be discussing uh, more tonight, I just latched onto it and I've never let go. So I love music, uh, Christian music specifically is what I was raised on. And I still listen to it to this day. But in my uh, work career, I work in the training department of an HR company. And then as a volunteer, I'm also a pastor for our local church, uh, working with small groups and with teenagers. And then in, in the spare time that I do get, uh, aside from my family of six with four kids, I'm writing music reviews for jesusfreakhideout.com for about uh, seven years now. And then I have a personal blog where I write a lot of lists and things because I'm just kind of a list obsessive person making lists of songs and albums and decades and favorites and things like that. So that's that's kind of me. I'm pretty simple. I love music and Christian music specifically. So that's what I'm thinking about a good portion of the time. Josh, where can people find your blog? Because it is very robust. Uh, it is my name, Josh Baylog, B-A-L-O-G-H, uh, silent H, uh, dot wordpress.com. Right. So if you go there, you'll see all the lists that I have there. And one of my favorites is top 100 albums of the Christian albums of the 90s is probably my favorite one that I've worked on the most. So, And, uh, and you know, and I have discovered that even once we met you, every now and then I'll Google top 90 songs. CCM songs, just looking for something to create a meme or something to do social media. And, you know, and and so like, wow, CDs will come up and you know, random Google searches. And then like on Google, your lists are one of the top things that come come up. And so so I've used your stuff 
to create some of our material like oh yeah i forgot about that album and all and so and it's always so well researched and and you you know i know you call yourself a jukebox junkie on there and man you've got you've got stuff on your top 100 list like oh i forgot about that one and i'll be honest you've got some on there that i'm not even as familiar with you you really know your 90s contemporary christian music so i would consider you an expert which is why we have brought you on here to be with us so thank you oh sure you're too kind uh like i said i <laughs> maybe a little obsessed uh been researching it for years and years and years and love finding obscure albums that i missed even at the time so Love to talk about it. Excited to talk about it. Well, you're you're part of our tribe, and that's why you're here tonight. And so, uh, so let's get on with it. We're going to do two top ten lists tonight, and they are both very subjective. And I know for a fact that that Josh's list and my list will not be the same. And I have told him to prepare for this. Rachel is just with us to maybe make fun of our lists, or I don't know what she'll, she may agree, disagree, and uh, put her two cents in where she feels like it may be needed. Um, but I told Josh to prepare one list that was just personal favorites, like maybe what you were listening to the most in the 90s, or, or for me, the way I think about it, like even though I like a lot of stuff. I gravitate back to, oh, I want to listen to that again. And I listen to every song on that album. And it meant the most to me then. And that's why I gravitate most to it now. And so I can tell you on my personal list, it looks completely different than my top 10 albums. There's a few things, a few albums that um, that are on both lists, but just the ones that impacted me the most. Personally, I told Josh to prepare a list like, uh, that like that 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 were songs that personally impacted him as favorites, and then just the top '90s CCM albums, which is also very subjective. Um, and so, I mean, we can look up what the top ten album sales were, and you know, maybe some of those will be on there, but not all of them. So, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So, which one you want to do first? I'm going to leave it up to you. Do you want to do just personal favorites or top ten? All time, just best albums. Let's let's ease into it. Let's go personal favorites. That's going to be easy to talk about. How about that? All right, sounds good. All right, would well, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Let's do it. And for my list, um, I arranged them by the year that they. <laughs> this is another nerd thing. I arranged them by the year that they came out. So these aren't like in order ten through one or anything like that. These are just the top ten that could be ordered. I, I couldn't quite make myself order them. So I just went by a year they came out. So my my first one is a Susan Ashton album called Waken by the Wind that came out in 1991. It's a country leaning with Wayne Kirkpatrick writing a lot of the songs. Love her voice uh, would kind of been one of the albums that would have given me any chance of liking any country music later on in my life. It was because I listened to this one. <laughs> a lot of the time uh from when it not really when it came out i probably came to it a few years later but i've listened to it a lot then and even still i still consider that one of my favorites of the of the decade and wanker patrick he did a lot of her writing correct he did yeah he also wrote with amy grant and michael louis smith and a handful of others like he's you know he's all over them all over right. the map on ccm all right. Well, I did mine like one through 10. So I'll just start with 10 and, and work my way up. So so here's where I'm going to like lose a lot of people, especially Rachel. At my number 10 favorite album of the 90s, I actually have Jesus Freak. It's it's that far down my list. Um, Rachel, what do you got to say about that? Well, considering how old you are, I'm not surprised. And oh, oh, and eight. Okay, you know, the thing is, I was late to the game on Jesus Freak, like, I really was a softy. Um, and and I was kind of in my own lane with the Stephen Curtis Chapman and for him, and so I heard those songs and I liked them. And the last four years since I've done mixtape theology, um, I mean, I was aware of their impact, and and goodness, they were on, um you know, mainstream radio, 
And now, like when I listen to that album, I'm like, wow, this album would hold up now. So I listen to Jesus Freak more now than I did in the 90s. Like you can listen to every song. It is that good. So probably five years ago, that wouldn't have not even have been in my top 10 albums, but it is now. So so there you go. That's number 10 for me. Great right, album. Got, good pick. What, what do you got next? All right. My next one will be by the first artist that I really latched onto in CCM. That would be Michael Libby Smith, but it would be his Change Your World album from 1992, um, which had a version of Friends on it. Yes, Picture Perfect was on that album. Um, it's just one that I will put on either in the car or when I really just want to sing loud. I'm in a good or I want to be in a good mood. Uh, it really kind of puts me there. So that was kind of the first. I want to say that was the first album that I actually spent my own money on when I got my first boombox back in the day. So it has a very nostalgic um, factor for me as well. Um, it's just such a good, fun one. You know, and it seems like that album for Smitty, like knowing um, him, that's when his career, he started to fill up stadiums, everything. I mean, it was, he was already Mr. CCM, but things kind of took off with that album, I think even to another level. And with the album before with Go West, Young Man, he had a couple of crossover songs in the radio, I Will Be Here For You. And then that one, everybody knew who he was and it was big time. So yeah, that's a good yep. choice. Um, for my number nine, I have the vocal group, acapella group, Take Six, their second album, So Much to Say. Um, I was a band nerd and I love in intricate chords. And actually, I prefer their first album, but it was released in the 80s. So that wasn't part of the criteria. So the second one, um, it had a really popular song, I-L-O-V-E-U. And, um, you know, I-L-O-V-E-U. And, you know, and, and they had the yeah. percussion. They were doing like pentatonics kind of stuff back in the 90s. And I just, yeah. as a music nerd, I loved it. And so even before I was listening to CCM in high school, I was listening to Take Six. So they were huge for me. So they're number nine on my list. They're so good. Yeah, I remember that song. Um, I probably got into them right around the time that I think Join the Band came out. I think that's the right album title, 1993 or 1994. It's probably my favorite by them. Right. That, that may Love be it. the one when they did the cover of uh, the uh, the 70s song, The Biggest Part of Me, on that, which was great. Yeah, that was a big record. Yeah, that one was all over the radio at the time, for sure. Yeah. That's probably how I discovered and was hearing it on the radio. Awesome. Well, my next pick would be, uh, I'm wearing their hat. Your, your uh, listeners obviously can't see it, but I'm wearing a DC talk hat right now. Uh, my next pick would be DC talks free at last from 1992. Speaking of albums to jam when you want to be in a good mood or when you're in a good mood or when you have to do the dishes and you might be in a bad mood, uh, because you're doing the dishes, this is my album to go to. I love this album so much. Um, even the skits don't bother me. I know they bother some people, but I can sing almost every word, of every song. And I won't try to prove it right now, but I can do most of the rap from uh, Love is a Verb. So uh, just such a fun, upbeat, even iconic album, really. But it's it's definitely one of my favorites. Josh, I think we're part of the minority that that is. I think you agree with me. That is uh, my favorite of the DC Talk albums is Free at Last. It's not Jesus Freak. It's not Supernatural. It's that one. It's I know yeah. it's cheesy. I know it's corny. And I know that they can. You you know, they matured in their sound and everything, but there's just something about the Free at Last album that just sets it apart for me. Yes, I, I would say it is my favorite. I, I still think maybe Jesus Freak is better as a as a whole, but I definitely do like it as my favorite for sure. You're right. Well, you know, in my discussion with Kevin McNeese from New Release Today, who is uh, we partnered with in this in our book, you know, I learned a lot from him. He really understands the industry and just talked about how everything changed with the money that was being put into the albums and like 95 and Jesus freak. And just, it was a game changer, but um, for the true fans, like I, I love it that Rachel, um, she brings it. And actually just for the fans out there, a little, just a little nugget. You mentioned love is a verb. That is a song that we do a devotion on in the book. So you will enjoy that. Yes. All right. All right. Um, my next one is uh Maybe one of the uh, the deepest artists in CCM, a classic artist. He wasn't as big in the 90s, 
but I found an album and it was one of those where I would listen to it cover to cover. It is Michael Card's poem of your life. And, you know, if you know, Michael Card, probably his biggest claim to fame is the writer of El Shaddai. And we've had him on here as a guest and podcast, um, just an incredible theologian. Um, his music probably didn't translate as the genre was changing in the nineties, but I love the depth and poem of your life kind of had some Irish sounds and there was a great uh, song based in the towel about foot washing. Um, there was a, a song about his kid. Uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see the sunrise of your smile. And I just, I love that album. It's one of my favorites of all time. So Michael Card, poem of your life. I don't know if if everybody's going to know this one or not, but my next one's Deep Cut. It's by it's various artists, but it's called Songs from the Loft. Uh, this oh. is one that Amy Grant and Gary Chapman recorded in their barn in the on their property. Michael W. Smith was a part of it. Susan Ashton, Kim Hill, Michael James, um, a handful of others that I'm forgetting right now. But West King. I also was. Yes, West King. Good call. Um, I was in a in in high school. I was in a musical that featured all those songs, so that's why it has another tie. Uh, to being one of my favorites from the era, but it is definitely one of my favorite compilation albums and even kind of a early precursor to the worship albums that we see more of now. That was just kind of that pure having a worship set outside in the barn with some friends. And uh, it's just one that I really enjoy. So songs from the loft. Hey, just to let you know, we believe in God off songs from the loft is a song that we feature and we do a devotion on it written by oh, Grant snap. and West King. And so absolutely. And I, I'm totally with you. It was kind of a precursor worship album. Um, you know, you can't even hardly find that album. It like if you even I don't even know if it's on Spotify. It seems like I looked for it once. It's really strange. It's not. Um, no, you can't stream it. So uh, but yeah, it was. And actually, our our youth group, I had a big like where we could do all those songs split track and and perform them with our youth choir. So I kind of relate to the whole musical thing as well. I think that's what we did. We had the split tracks. And so we sang them as a youth choir. Um, yeah, that's all awesome. Right. Um, my next one, my number seven is Sonic Floods 1999 album. And, and you talk about a precursor to worship. I, I think those guys, that album doesn't get enough credit as far as the influence. It seems like after Sonic Flood, because they they were not intending to be a worship band. And when Jeff Dale was their lead singer in that album that has tons of songs that everybody started doing in their youth groups and um, Sunday mornings, you know, everything from I, I Can Sing of Your Love Forever. I'm trying to remember some of the others, but um, in which would they did that one with Out of Eden on the album. Mm -hmm. But um, man, it was I listened to that over and over front to back, beginning to end. And uh, I thought it was huge as far as what was going on with everybody after that. Every work, every Christian band said, well, we got to do a worship album um and i think maybe they were one of the first ones that did that and that's you know we can argue good and bad um you know then some of the the music in the 2000s people started losing their create creativity because they were all making worship albums but i loved the 99 sonic flood album yeah i agree that one's hugely influential on in the industry for sure like it was them Delirious kind of predating them. It was them. And then mm -hmm. third day in 2000, Michael Louis Smith in 2001, right there in that era, all in the same two or three year chunk. It's a great album. Um, okay. So my next one is uh, by the group, uh, singing group Out of Eden. And it's their album, Love in the Day from 1994. Uh, so many great songs. I remember roller skating with the youth group to a handful of them. And so I've got some great memories with that one. I'll come back to that one semi-regularly just to uh, hear those sister harmonies and i really feel like they were just kind of ahead of their time because i don't know that they were quite as popular as they could have been if they would have come out maybe 10 15 20 years later uh, mm -hmm. from the 90s but great sister trio love their r&b stuff i was lucky enough to be able to see them as an opening act for the dc talk free at last tour they knocked my oh. socks off, you know, with their synchronized nice. dancing and their harmonies and stuff. And um, we are also so blessed to have an endorsement from 
uh, Danielle from Out of Eden for the book. Oh, um, yeah, nice. she gave us a really cool endorsement, and she she read the devotion for um, Out of Eden, and she has uh, given us her blessing, which is huge. I love Out of Eden and spent so much time listening to them in middle school and high school. Uh, yeah, I consider myself the off-key fourth member of Out of Eden. <laughs> Oh, they're great. Yeah, I think I, there was one point like, I saw them in concert and got to take a picture with them like years and years ago, probably back during that time frame. So, yeah, they're great. I, even some of their other albums I still love, too. But that one's kind of the one that I go back to the most. All right. Well, that was a great choice. And we do. Which Out of Eden song do we feature in the book? Uh, you, mm, more Than You Know. More Than You Know. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. we need a devotion on More Than You Know. More yeah. Than you know okay yeah. nice all right well my number got six. some great gets there as far as uh people endorsing the book yeah absolutely we feel so blessed uh, i mean even ones that we've mentioned we had michael tate from dc talk and michael w smith uh west king they all um were super excited about the book and has given have given us endorsements so we're just feeling super blessed uh, the next one that I have, you mentioned Susan Ashton. I have her 1992 Angels of Mercy album. And I, my uh, one of my best friends in high school, her name was Ashley as well. And she had the cassette tape. And I remember going in the bonus room of her house and we would play that cassette tape and listen to it. And like I would hear Grand Canyon and I can hear these strumming guitars and hearing my heart and walk on by and Alice stays lost in her wonderland. And, and you're, you're right as far as kind of the precursor to country. Um, but sometimes I forget what an incredible vocalist Susan Ashton is. And I go back and listen to those albums. And um, actually I would say one of my biggest regrets in our book is that we do not do a devotion on a Susan Ashton song. Like she's going to be at the top of my list if we do another one, because she has some great stuff. For sure. I mean, you can already hear a need for a volume two. So you guys you can go ahead and start <laughs> writing it. You know what I mean? It's awesome. Cool. All right. My next pick is by the power pop trio PFR and that's their 1994 album. Great links, such a great song, great album. There's not a skipper on there for, for me at all. Um, I wore that thing out back in the day. I still listen to it regularly when I do, discography runs to their stuff um so many great songs on it um i'm trying to think of the one at the very end i'm like this might be the one that i want them to play at my funeral uh, gosh i'll think of it later anyway pfr great links if you don't know it definitely listen yeah to that's it. a great album absolutely the next one on my list is Michael W. Smith. And even though these are mostly songs from the 80s, the album came out in the 90s. And so uh, I, it's the only kind of compilation or greatest hits. But his first decade album, when I got that, I was just getting into contemporary Christian music. So I was discovering stuff that he had already recorded and like, oh, wow, Secret Ambition. Oh, wow. Um, you know, like all of these incredible songs. Um, and so everything from go West young man to, um, oh, wait, I don't know if that was on there. I'm not sure, but, but it had Kentucky Rose. That might've even been a new cut on that. Um, and I just love that album and it was hard to pick between I'll lead you home, change your world, go West young man. My, in my compilation of my list, I tried to only pick one artist for each list but some of them could have been multiple albums and there's three or four of his that probably could have been in my top 10, but I just went with his first decade album. Loved it. For sure. It's a great pick. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I could have taken go West young man and put that in the slot where I put change your world too. Cause I, I love both those albums so much and, uh, and live the life. That's another great one too. Rachel, what's your favorite media okay. uh, album? You got a favorite Michael W. Smith album? Um, you know, I, I really did listen to the first decade quite a lot. And like just like you, Ashley, I was introduced to all of his older songs that I never heard before. You know, Old Enough to Know, uh, Rocket Town. Mm, uh, those are all songs on there that I had never heard before. Yeah, good. All right, what do you got next, Josh? All right, next for me is an album by The Cry titled You. Came out in 1994. The big hit song from that one was on the radio, literally a felt felt like every 10 minutes was take my hand and walk 
um, kind of like an acoustic alternative sounds. Um, I ate that stuff up. So I love that whole album front to back and listen to it a lot. Yeah, that's a good pick. I, I did a meme for mixtape theology sometime in the last year and, and maybe put some lyrics to that song. And I would, it was fun. I mean, like I rediscovered it and how many people that follow us were like, Oh, I forgot all about that song. It was almost had a extreme more than words kind of sound from the, yeah. you know, and yeah. just people like, Oh, that was so good. And it was, I mean, they wore that song out, but it was really, really good. So yeah. For sure. All right. My next one is Caveman's Call. When their 1997 Coming Home album came out, um, man, I, I was just starting seminary. And when I start thinking about Lead of Love, This World, Bus Driver, Hope to Carry On, I, I mean, I could listen to that album. First song to last song. I love 40 Acres. I love that album. But I've got to go with uh, Caveman's Call's. 1997 coming home album that's such a great pick too like shout out to aaron tate who wrote a lot of those songs half of them i think he was there at the reunion show uh such a great songwriter this world is probably i don't remember where i ranked it but it's definitely in the top 10 or top 15 of my favorite 90s christian songs so great pick all right, my next one uh, might be a little bit obscure for some, but I love this guy and still love his stuff. Um, he's a blue-eyed soul singer, John Gibson's 1995 album, Love Education. Um, speaking of songs that they played the heck out of in the 80s and 90s, like in the early to mid-90s, they played his stuff a ton. And I'm thinking it would have been like the song Possessed by Love, Someday Paradise, uh, the song Jesus. Those would have probably been the three that they played on the radio a lot. But I love his voice. So good. All right. So that's right up there close to the top for you then. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, my next one is Jars of Clay, self-titled debut in 1995. I loved their sophomore album, Much Afraid. But when, when Jars of Clay, their album came out in 95, and I heard that first line with that Gregorian chant sounds and and then the fiddle came in almost a Dave Matthews kind of sound. Um, like I felt like I was listening to something alternative and heavier than anything I'd listened to, which is funny. I go back and listen to it now and it's and it's kind of a soft album. But like in Nashville, like you had to listen to Way FM to listen to, to hear the, the heavier stuff. And I was more of the softer for him stuff. And I was like, wow, this jars of clay, this is cutting edge. And this is, this is a little heavier and I love it. And it's one of those I can listen to every single song on that album. And in fact, last week, me and my wife went on a date and I put it on Spotify in the car and we jammed out and listened to every song on it. It was so good. I love it. One of my favorites of all time. Yeah, it, I will take just a second to say that it's literally my favorite album of all time. There you uh, go. Including main, mainstream music. Like, I don't know what it was about it. Like, all the things that you described and so much more. Like, I was in my formative years as a teenager, first year of youth camp. Heard the song Flood, saw the music video, latched onto it immediately. Got it as soon as it came out later that fall. It's been my favorite ever since. Awesome album. Love it. But even some of the writing, like as we were listening, like Boy on a String, um, the writing is incredible on that album. Like, I, I don't even know who the songwriters that um, it's just a really good album. So, yeah, if someone hasn't listened to that in a while, pull that out. And we did uh, we did Liquid was a devotion. Rachel wrote a devotion for that one. Um, so how was that writing a devotion on a song that opens up with Gregorian chant, Rachel? Uh, it was fun. And in so, the devotion talks a lot about purity culture. So you got to read the book to figure out how uh, okay. that came about. Yeah. Such a unique song. Yeah. I look forward to reading that for sure. All right. What do you got next? All right. Next is going to be but from Uncle Steve, Stephen Curtis Chapman. We got Signs of Life from 1996. Uh, he went a little bit. I would say he went a little bit in the bluegrass uh, acoustic guitars, which was kind of his staple before that, but 
a little bit more alternative leaning on this album, like a little bit more of an edge. And for whatever reason, I really just kind of latched onto it and really, that's my favorite Stephen Curtis Chapman album to this day. And it's another one from front to back. There's not a skipper on there for me, really. Uh, and I would say probably the first six or seven tracks are like, bam, bam, just so great. Like there's, there's like hardly a chance to catch your breath. They're just all so great. So, and that album was that life, the one, Chris Chapman. Was that the one that he did? The um, we are free. Uh, I have been forgiven. The, yeah. Oh, that was such a good song. Yeah. Track, he did, I think it's track six. Yeah. <laughs> and he did lean into his bluegrass roots, but it was so well done. Um, Man, that was a great pick, and I struggled for my number two. I had to go with a Stephen Curtis Chapman album, and I could not decide. I was between Signs of Life, Speechless, Great Adventure just because of the impact it had, and Heaven in the Real World. And I kept coming back to, for me, some experiences on mission trips and what I kept listening to. And so I picked Heaven in the Real World. It was so close between that and Signs of Life. But my number two is Heaven in the Real World. I loved a lot of songs on that. I got to see that concert at um, at Starwood Amphitheater in Nashville and see see him running up and down the aisles while everybody was jumping up and down, singing, dancing with the dinosaur, which was so fun. And uh, then his song, his acoustic song, Mountain, um, Build Your House on the Mountain, Go Down in the Valley, um, that's one of those I can listen to it several times a year and just takes me back to where I was when I was hearing that song and it's very meaningful to me. So that's why I picked Heaven in the Real World album. Hey, I was at that Can't same concert. Wrong. Oh, were you? Really? Yeah, I was. I was there. Star Wars. Cool. <laughs> He's right, the very well, first concert I ever remember going to. I think it was him with the Newsboys opening for him probably in the 94, 95. Um, that year somewhere in there um and it was the first album that someone bought for me to go with the boombox that i got for christmas so nice that's a good one all right what do you got so is that your next one the jars of clay that that you already mentioned well that one's uh that one's on a on a different list that's okay on the other okay one. so what do you got next next and last for this list is the newsboys step up to the microphone album from 1998 Another one that's just, I don't know, this whole list is like it's a bunch of fun ones, really. Like I keep coming back to it because it's they, they, a lot of drum machines in this one. It was the first one that Peter Furler was taking lead vocals on after John James left the band. Um, it's the one that has Entertaining Angels on it, which is a killer song. Probably their second, my, my second favorite of their songs all time. Uh, just a lot of fun, dancey, pop rock type stuff. Uh, so I come back to that a lot. Have it on vinyl, which is one of the few that I own on vinyl that my wife and I both love. So it's kind of cool. That we can listen go. to that one together. And uh, for for the listeners out there, if you get the book, we we kind of did the low hanging fruit. We knew we had to pick a newsboy song, and so we did a devotion on Shine. Again, low hanging fruit, very popular. Um, and in research for writing the devotion, I started watching that video again and. Man, it was out there. <laughs> like those guys are crazy. And the writing was so poetic and um just thought provoking if you really start reading those lyrics. And so good stuff. Um, well, my number one on my list, and, and if you've listened to our podcast, if you read the book, um, I would say that this is not even this band's best album, but as far as me, it is for him's face the nation because it was it, it was my entry into CCM and our youth pastor for my for a senior gift 1992 when I graduated he gave everyone a cassette tape and that was the new album of the day for him face the nation and I listened to it over and over and over again and I fell in love with Andy Crispin's voice and all the songs on that album and you know I listened to Andy Crispin's podcast a lot he actually says that maybe their album, The Ride, may be their best album in his opinion as far as standing up with the sound of it and the money that was put into it. Um, but, of course, Basics of Life was huge. The message was huge. There's so many albums. I'm a huge fan. But just personally, where I was in my faith and how it influenced me, I have for him Face the Nation, their second album. All right. So, that was just our personal favorites. Now let's just, there may be some repeats, uh, maybe not for, maybe not for Josh. Definitely. I've got a few repeats, but let's just do our top albums of the nineties, 90 CCM. And this is still subjective. 
there's going to be some from some genres that maybe I just don't know um, that should probably be in there. Not everybody listens to everything. Not everybody's quite the jukebox junkie that Josh is, Um, but I'm excited to hear what he has. So what do you have for this next just top albums of 90 CCM? Okay, so uh, when I was looking at this list, I looked at it as either most influential or what I what I think, again, subjectively, really was the best of the era. And I did try to order these as best as possible, 10 through 1. So I'm going to start with my number 10, and that's going to be <clears throat> Amy Grant's Heart in Motion album from 1991. Um, as far as influential, it, I would say that with all of the great pop it's still the greatest selling Christian music album of all time. I want to say, if I remember correctly, it's over three or four times platinum, maybe even more than that. It might be seven. Yeah. I looked it up. It's it's in a level of its own and I'll, I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. That's my number two, just, Ah. just because of the influence that that album had on the whole genre and her crossing over. And it's like that sold over 5 million. And then, the albums under that are in the three million range, and and then the and and she her Christmas album is on the three million range, and there's a Kirk Franklin, and then it goes to two million, and her House of Love album sold two million, and then that's where Jesus Freak and Jars of Clay. So she, as far as like album sales, um, Heart in Motion is kind of in a class of its own. And so it's got to yeah. be on the list of influence. So that's, I've got it as number two, actually. Yeah, mine is probably too low. Uh, but so some of this is just like, again, not really ordered probably super well. But yeah, you're right. It's it's in a class of its own. She's the queen, right? Queen of uh, Christian music. So she, yep. she major influence there. For my 10th, I have Cayman's Call, uh, 40 Acres. It seems like that second album, they really took off. I was hearing even more of their stuff on the radio. And um, I just think the album was so well produced. Love it. Can listen to it. Um, And so that's my number 10 album, 40 Acres. Nice. Um, This one that a lot of people might not agree with as far as influential, I think it's one of the best uh so that's why i have it on my list and that's small town poets self-titled album from 1997 um it's got a real gin blossoms kind of sound to it alt alt rock it's kind of my sweet spot when i go to listen to music so that's uh one of my favorites definitely a classic 90s sound right for sure yeah my number nine album is third day self-titled 1996 album and uh um i love thief I remember being on a mission trip and there, we, there, our drama group did a uh, an interpretive movement and we had Jesus on the cross and the thieves and they were they were there and they did signs to that. Um, Rachel did a devotion in our book on consuming fire. Um, for many out there, they may say that Conspiracy Number 5 was the better album. I'm not sure. It's hard to say, but I just as far as influential albums, third day kind of made their statement they were on the map there and um just huge in christian music so i've got their self-titled nine, 1996 album it's funny you should mention that that was going to be my next one so that's my that's my number eight it's third day self-titled for all the reasons forget- that you said i think uh oh, go ahead I was just going to say that we are blessed to have Mac Powell write the foreword for the book. And he talks about his experience in finding Christian music in the 90s and what album he heard for the first time uh, that was CCM and what that experience was like. So that was just something I want to make sure the audience knows about if nice. they're third day fans. Yeah. Yeah, it really is awesome. Like Rachel and I, when he agreed to do the forward and then they sent it over to us and we got to read it and, you know, and look at it and seeing how much like when he discovered um, Rich Mullins and just the influences and how he's so honored to still uh, share the stage with Stephen Curtis Chapman and Michael W. Smith and like the people that are heroes to us are heroes to him. And I think everyone will love his forward. It's just so honest. And it's a lot of our stories, yet he's, uh, you know, he's one of our heroes as well. So, so yeah, so that's cool. We both had the same same one there. Um, my next one at the eighth spot is Audio Adrenaline's Bloom album. I, re- I think they really came into their own there. 
Um, I, you, you have never going to be. I loved the um, the cover of Free Ride. Uh, throwback on that. Um, and so it was hard to not go with Don't Censor Me, but I really, I think just top to bottom, I liked Audio Adrenaline's Bloom album. So as far as influential and best albums of the 90s, I have that in my eighth spot. Great pick. Uh, my next one, my number, was this being my number seven? Is that right? Anyway, my next one uh, would be All-Star United's self-titled album from 1997. A little bit of satirical pop here. Songs like La La Land, Smash Hit, uh, Tenderness, Lullaby, like this is another no spurt. Like I will, I will die on the hill of this being a top, at least top twenty album of CCM in the nineties. I put it inside the top ten myself, but I think it's great. It's it's witty. Uh, it's kind of Euro Brit uh, rock influenced, like some Oasis and some Blur influence there uh, great songwriting great album that's one of the ones that i've pulled out recently and listened to again all the way through it, it is so good they have that song tenderness which sounds mm-hmm. amazing and but their song la la land if you listen to the lyrics to that song i can't believe it was written what like 30 years ago or something it sounds like it was written for today's culture so if you haven't heard yes. that song in a while you got to pull it out yep i agree in my seventh spot, I have Rich Mullins, A Liturgy, A Legacy, and A Ragamuffin Band. And uh, had to have a Rich Mullins song in the top albums. I, I think Rich maybe influenced a lot of these artists as much as anybody. Um, you know, that even came out at the, you know, you hear at the Cayman's Call concert. And, um, of course, they they covered Hope to Carry On um later and that we do a devotion on that in in the book but um but so i've got rich mullins a liturgy legacy and ragamuffin band in my seventh spot it's a great album great album you might hear that album in my list a little later on (laughs) spoiler alert okay my next pick is my number six album would be burlap to cashmere's album anybody out there i mean at the time it came out and even to this day there's, I will say, there's nothing like it in Christian music. Percussive based. You definitely need to see him live if you ever get to. I didn't ever get to, so I'm. That's probably one of my biggest regrets. But acoustic guitars, fantastic musicianship. Uh, they had a couple radio hits in uh, Treasures in Heaven and Basic Instructions before leaving Earth. But then the rest of the deep cuts on the album are all fantastic and worth listening to as well. So. That's a five-star album, in my opinion, it, it, or four and a half, close to that five-star range uh, any day. I'll take that one. I love it. As people listen to this podcast, there may be some of these that you forgot about or like, I don't know that one. And so, um, man, I bet this will be an open door to a lot of people going and checking out maybe some stuff they haven't heard. So great. I love that pick. My next one is Newsboys Going Public, and it was hard to choose which Newsboys album, but as far as influential, that's what I have at number six. It's got shine on it. You got to have it somewhere. Good one. <laughs> uh, you already talked about this one. Uh, my next pick was Cademan's Calls, uh, 40 Acres, which they played a bunch of songs from at the reunion show. We got to see uh, just, again, some great, smart songwriting. Um, perfect album in my mind. All right. At number five, I have Stephen Curtis Chapman, Speechless. Um, even though he already had five or six albums by then, it, it seemed like he just even jet rocketed to another level on that album um just as far as his popularity and you know what was happening on the radio and he was already you know if if michael w smith was the king maybe stephen was the prince i'm not sure but um just he he really that was a great album and um and i so i got steam curtis chapman speechless at number five it's a great one. Like, and in the decade alone, I think he had five or six albums that he released, including the, the live one. So, like, very prolific too. Great pick, great artist. Um, okay, my next one, my number four, is the self-titled by Sixpence None the Richer, and from 1997, it had the hit song in the mainstream. Kiss Me was on it, but good grief if you miss the album thinking that that's all that it is or go into expecting it, you're going to miss out on a, what I think is a, I call it a melancholy masterpiece. It's really, it's melancholy music and it's very much about 
the struggle between art and commerce. Mm. Um, their struggle with that and the fact that they had so many label woes all throughout their career. But it's just a very beautiful album with a lot of strings and a lot of oboe and um, upright bass. And it's great. You need to listen to it and maybe skip the songs uh, Kiss Me and listen to all the other songs because it's... Uh, You're making me want to... I can. I think in my office when I'm studying tomorrow, I think I want to listen to that album. Just your description of it. Like, um, I love melancholy just set back in or driving or studying like um yeah you kind of got my juices flowing i think i'm gonna listen to that album tomorrow actually oh man if you do let me know what you think of it because it's it's got some oddballs on it but i love them much uh, you know the um the streams compilation album with various artists. And I, I don't know if that was late nineties, 99. Um, a lot of artists had songs on there, but they had a song on that album. That is one of my all time favorites on that streams album. So, so yeah, that's a great yeah. pick. Um, for my next album, it is the jars of clay self-titled. Um, that was a game changer and, it's got to be in my top five. You know, it was in my top five favorites, and I believe it's in the top five most influential. So I've got it at number four. Great pick. That's my number three. So I'll echo all that. It's a five-star album for me. I own multiple copies on CD, so I can have it in every car that I own that I can give them away to people if you've never heard it. I'm lucky enough to own it on vinyl. Um, I love that album so much. Favorite album of all time, but it's my number three best or most influential on this list let's see so for my next one i have michael w smith change your world and i really think that that was a huge album for him huge album crossover stuff um i have no idea as far as album sales but um it's got to be up there a big album for him it was hard not to put go west young man but i went with michael w smith change your world in um my number three spot Nice. Okay, my number two, uh, I believe you've already mentioned this one, at least on your other list, but it is Jesus Freak by DC Talk from 1995. So many hit songs from it. Uh, it definitely impacted, had a huge impact on the 90s and is still beloved by uh, DC Talk fans to this day. So great song, great album. All right, and I've already mentioned my number two, Amy Grant, Heart in Motion. And before um, Josh and I both share our number ones, uh, you know, you can see in my top albums, even though they're my favorite group for him's not there, point of grace. How could you people are going to be thinking, how could you not include a Carmen album or Kirk Franklin? Um, goodness, Jackie Velasquez had um some good stuff that was just really, really good. OC Supertones, Skillet, Switchfoot, Out of Eden. There's um it's just like I challenge everybody, do this yourself. This is harder than you think. Like it's hard. It, it really is. It's hard. All right, Josh, yeah, what like, is your number one? You've already mentioned it. Um, he's, uh, for my money, he'd be on the Mount Rushmore of CCM. Uh, and that's Rich Mullins, his album, Liturgy Legacy Ragamuffin Band from 1993. Um, just a great, great man, songwriter album. It's the one that's got. Hold Me Jesus and Here in America and The Color Green. Um, there just isn't a bad song on there. I don't think he ever wrote a bad song, to be honest with you. Just ones that I like more than others. But I totally resonate with everything that he has there. And just his legacy is still felt to this day. Mm, 20, agreed. What, 26 years since he passed? So. In the uh, in the book, if, if you purchase the book, people check it out. We do a devotion on Hold Me Jesus and such a good song. So, yeah. All right. Well, my number one spot for the top albums is Jesus Freak and just the influence of DC Talk. Um, yeah, they're number 10 on my personal, just even though I was late to the game. But as I look at just CCM and their impact and how good that album is, from top to bottom, they're in my number one slot. So DC Talk, Jesus Freak. Rachel, nice. you didn't compile a list, but you want to tell us your personal favorite and what you would think would be just the top album? Are those the same thing for you? <laughs> you know, I'm not going to disagree with a lot of what you have. I would just say for me personally, uh, 
one of the most influential albums was The Live Adventure, which oh. is the live version of The Great Adventure that he did. And I have so many vivid memories of just listening to that on a Walkman during a snowstorm that we had in Nashville. I think it was 94, 95. Um, and that was the first time that I was introduced to his earlier songs. So songs from uh, More to This Life and uh, Real Life Conversations. Just such a good album, such good songwriting. Um, I, so I delight every time you guys mention Seymour Curtis Chapman. I just love him so much. He's my favorite. You know, I could just listen to this whole discography. <laughs> that be probably. <laughs> You know, when you, you say enough live, albums out in the nineties to do it. <laughs> when you say the live adventure, I wore out the when he on that album when he did the compilation of kind of a lot of his slower songs, and he did, you know, this is my heart's cry, and then he went into in his eye, and all, and he had all of this like it was this compilation, like the concert was so good, and he could only he had to squeeze like five songs into one compilation. I would listen to that 12 minute compilation over and over and over again. Loved it. So, um, yeah. Why is that not on my list now that you say that? Maybe that should be. Yeah, that's a good choice, Rachel. Thank well, you. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Josh, man. Thank you. You're the man. Uh, we really appreciate um, all your insight and being our guest here today. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. It was fun for me. So anytime I can make a list, I'm all about it. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. Um, we hope that you will look forward to getting a copy of Mixtape Theology 90s Christian Edition. And that book is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other book retailers. So uh, if you like this podcast, you're going to have a lot of fun with the book as well. So yeah, thanks for joining us, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon. The Mixtape Theology Podcast is part of the NRT Podcast Network. Find more Christian music-related podcasts at newreleasetoday.com.